Welcome to the Lola Community Podcast. In this podcast, we will have questions, quotes, and conversations between different people, and your host will be Pleasant Selecki. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, welcome Paula to the Lola Community Podcast. I was just on your Instagram. Yeah. um, Where we reconnected or connected with you. And I wanted to start the um our conversation with this quote that I think is your I think it's from you because it's on your page but there's Mm -hmm. no name of who it is so I'm assuming it's you if not you can tell me yeah you said diet culture convinces brilliant creative dynamic people that they should reduce themselves into being a thing that's pleasing to look at it's Mm -hmm. tragic and it robs us all yeah I did say that that was that's mine Okay, so this is why I invited you to come on because it is the end of February, Mm -hmm. which means that now for two months, I have watched pictures of incredible humans who do incredible things in the world, Right, reduce themselves to numbers and pant size and deprivation and counting calories. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it hurts my heart. Yes. Yes. Good. It should hurt hard. Tell me about the work you do in the world, how and why you do it, and Mm -hmm. where that quote came from, from inside of you. Yes. So I am a um, body justice activist. I am an eating disorders therapist. Um, You and I know each other from the yoga world. I was a yoga teacher full-time for approximately 100 years. Um, <laughs> 100 lifetimes. <laughs> 100 lifetimes. I don't teach yoga anymore um, because I'm full-time as um, doing all of these other things. So yeah, that comes from, um, I have a long history with, I, um, I was uh, diagnosed, oops, sorry. Okay. That, sorry about that day. Real life. Um, yeah. I was diagnosed uh, as uh, overweight and obese as a kid, and I say diagnosed as because I don't actually believe in those labels. Um, and, and then I started um, starving myself when I was 16, and I was diagnosed with anorexia when I was 21. So I, um, my, yeah, so my body has been very, very big to the extent that everybody was worried I was going to die because I... I, and I don't talk about weight numbers because I don't um, believe in weight as a measurement of anything relevant. Um, and then my body was very, very small to the extent that everybody was afraid I was going to die. And I probably would have died had I not gone to treatment because uh, my body was shutting down from starvation. Mm-hmm. And so then I got into yoga and I did yoga for a while. Um, but now I, yeah, I do a lot of this work and I talk, uh, I teach a class at George Washington University called um, Weight and Society about our culture's obsession with thinness and about uh, diet culture and about fat phobia. And uh, yeah, and I bring that into my sessions with my eating disorder clients because I think it used to be when I went to treatment for an eating disorder, it was, um, you know, we just talked about like how your mom screwed you up, right? It was really like psychodynamic. Yeah. Um, 
And now all the research shows that if you bring, you have to bring the macro into the room. Yes. You, have to, you have to talk about the fact that um, people who are getting out of an eating disorder are still have to live in this world. And they still have to live in this world where specifically women, but everybody is taught that your worth is based on whether or not someone enjoys looking at your body. And your body is only worthy of looking at if it is a certain shape. Where do you think this comes from? What are the layers and the complexities in the society that this was created? So that's very interesting. And I love my favorite thing to teach in my class is like the history of diet culture and the history of thin idealism and diets. So um, it used to be over 100 years ago that body diversity, meaning that bodies came in different sizes, was just known, sort of like heights, right? Like people come in different heights or hair comes in different colors or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, that there was no sense of judgment or morality around the fact that some people were tall and some people were short and some people were fat and some people were thin. In fact, it was seen as a, if you were very, very fat and you were very, very white, that meant that you never had to work outside and you had all the food you wanted. So to be very pale mm -hmm. and very overweight yes. meant that like you were very wealthy. Um, so it was actually a thing to be... Uh, revered <clears throat> like you didn't have to do any hard labor right yeah so oh, that's uh, so interesting <laughs> isn't that interesting <clears throat> and now we all want to be tan and really and <laughs> uh, so um, so then it, it around um, the end of the 1800s um, was Sylvester Graham and I don't know if you want me to go into the whole history of this or not, but I'm going to anyway. Um, <laughs> Sylvester yeah, Graham. Yeah, I think it's so fascinating. Please. It is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Sylvester Graham, who you know from the Graham Crackers, he was one of the first people to talk about um, evil corpulence and that um, if your body was big, it was, you know, it has to do with like gluttony. And if your body was big, you were taking more than your share. Mm. Um, the Banting, William Banting in, in, the, in England um, came up. He was the first one to do the low carb thing. That was not Dr. Atkins. And, uh, <laughs> So all of these people were started talking about the morality around body shapes and that if somebody was thin, it meant that they weren't taking too much or they weren't, um, their body, their body showed that they were, um, being, uh, being more, it's like, uh, there's this whole thing in, in, um, our culture's Protestant values about like, um, uh, being, not being too sexy, not being too big, not being yes. too much, not being, right? Everything yeah, yes. like sterile, yep. Yep. right? If you're sterile and you're not showing yep. emotions and you're not yep. enjoying things, then obviously you're a good person. And moving um, away, this is also the same. My understanding is this is also the shift of sort of really dissolving feminine traits and characteristics exactly. as totally. powerful and moving more towards masculine at yep. like, traits and characteristics as the way, as we learn more science yes. also and started to pull away from the mystic and pull away from the spirits and the rituals. And uh, also this is, I think, where the term woo-woo originated as mm -hmm. people were saying, we don't know what that is. So let's yeah. make it derogatory and, and unknown. You're absolutely right. right? You're all, yes, absolutely right. Absolutely. And also moving away from, uh, you know, there's also the, a huge intersection of um, thin idealism and racism and, yes. uh, you know, and colonialism it, with the moving that the more 
it's more likely that if you are of um, European descent, uh, your body might be thin, your breasts might be small, your butt might be small, your hips might be small, right? Whereas yeah. if you are of more ethnic descent, it is more likely. And obviously these are huge generalizations, but yeah. there's, you know, there's an intersection of patriarchal ideas, yeah. um, colonial ideas, whiteness. There's all, all of these things are all intersected. And you're absolutely yeah. right, Abe, um, a denouncing of the feminine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's sort of where it started. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then capitalism got a hold of it, right? In, um, in the turn of the century. And now it's basically just about, it's just about money. Um, the idea, uh, it really is. Uh, my, my students, I always tell my students that if I ask a question nine, nine times out of 10, the answer is going to be money. Like, why yeah. do we assume that body, that bigger bodies are not valuable? Why? Right. And it's all about because because people make so much money off of the idea that number one, all bodies should be the same shape, which is bizarre. And number two, that if your body isn't the right shape, uh, then there are things that you could and should be doing in order for it to be the right shape. And that is just a, re when you think about it, it is a very bizarre idea. Because mm -hmm. that all bodies should be shaped the same or all bodies should, you know, the measurement of, of your body's gravitational pull to the earth, which is weight, um, that everybody's weight should be around the same thing. That's very strange. Mm -hmm. How do the students respond? I'm so curious how the college students respond to learning the background and the history. So at first, um, they're pretty good. It's interesting. I've been teaching this class for six years. The first couple of years, I felt like I was speaking Greek and they were like, what is this crazy lady saying? Mm -hmm. um, but now with the rise of yeah. body positivity and, and social media, um, and uh, there's more and more and more people sometimes they impress me and they surprise me because they know more than I do. And they're like, <laughs> how do you, you don't know this blogger? And I'm like, no, I don't. Um, so that's really, that's mm -hmm. very encouraging. Um, it's also a thing that <clears throat> I teach a class, I teach the class within the health and wellness department. Mm. And a lot of people who are in the health and wellness department are like, um, pre-med or um, health policy students. So sometimes they'll be taking like a nutritional policy class and my class in the same yes. where I'm like screaming about like that calories are bullshit and all this stuff. And then they're like, oh, yeah, not what, not what my other professor is saying. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, you take what you like. Um, yeah. Well, it's like being in a yoga teacher, in a yoga class with an Iyengar teacher or an Ashtanga yes. teacher, a flow totally. teacher, and you're told pigeon four different ways. And yes. as a student, you're like, just tell me what to do. Yes. And it's like, well, actually, there's a lot of ways to approach this. Of course. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you define or talk about health at every size yeah. um, and what that is for people? Because I think it's hard when I bring it up or start to talk about it, people give me a weird look like I have no idea what you're talking about or how that could be possible. Sure. Sure. So a little history, Health at Every Size is a movement started by Dr. Linda Bacon, um, who's from the University of um, California, San Francisco. And she, uh, so she started doing her own research. She is in, uh, uh, she is in recovery. I don't know precisely the language she would use, but she, yeah. she identifies as somebody who compulsively overate and no longer compulsively overeats because she started actually doing um, peer-reviewed research and all the right things to see like is this myth we have this idea we have about um if your body is big you're gonna die and you're a bad person um what is the actual science behind that and um so she started the health at every size movement and what it what it shows over and over and over and over 
is that the measurements we have for body size and the categories we put people in based on shape and weight and all of these things are not at all, um, do not at all lead to the health issues that we think they do. And when we control for things like poverty or how much you move your body or access to vegetables or access to fruits, when we control for all of those um, components, actually those are way more of an indicator of whether or not somebody's body is healthy or not healthy. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so even how we've been talking about health, because I think that for a long time, especially um, as the yoga culture and wellness culture started to really sort of pick up momentum and green mm -hmm. juice culture that, sure. um, and especially now I'm, uh, you know, teach much more Ayurveda. And so like green wow, juice is a good. big X in, right. you know, nothing raw, nothing cold. Like everything totally. that I learned in yoga culture, I'm like, F you, we don't do that right. anymore. You know, it's just, no. it's, and it's so nourishing and it feels so delicious and sort of like, of course, oh, just so healthy to, to understand the progression of why that works or doesn't work, especially if you have gas or bloating or indigestion right. and you're constantly putting cold, raw, icy things in there. I'm what? like, oh, duh. Yes. Like my mom and I are very vata. And so the idea that we would like just yeah. live on like raw vegetables is like the worst thing. Right. And, and, and that is, I mean, I remember being in yoga teacher training and what's everybody snacking on, right? Like, uh -huh. I mean, bags of raw vegetables and it's just totally. this health culture mentality. But my point is also that thin, like, cold raw vegetables aligned with a yoga practice aligned with a thin white body was good right like this is all the way that you the ways that you are good sure. so do you feel like we're dismantling that right now do you feel like it's happening do you feel a rise in energy and consciousness around these issues i do i feel like that um i I'm very excited to be a part of what's happening now. And I do think, you know, as much as the internet can be like an awful trash fire, <laughs> um, I do feel like social media has been, um, you know, the fact that I remember when Twitter came out and some celebrities saying like, you know, it can be totally awful, but the fact that every person gets a voice is the good part. And yeah. that, you know, and that we're hearing from people who have lived in big bodies their whole life. We are hearing from people who, um, who have lived in big bodies of color, you know, queer yeah. people of color yeah. who live in big bodies, that they have a voice. Um, and they get to say, how dare you, how dare you think, first of all, how dare you throw health at me as if being healthy is the most important thing somebody can be. And number two, yeah. like, you have no idea about my health. And so to, the, to look at, and with my students, at the beginning of the semester, I have them define health because mm -hmm. I think that's a word mm -hmm. we throw around, but I don't think any of us really know what the hell we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the semester, I want them to, I have them tell me like, has your definition of health? Yeah. Um, as if being healthy is moral and you know, that you are a superior human to somebody else if you are quote unquote healthy. And then also the fact that what is healthy is completely controlled by a capitalist narrative that, that, that what we think of as healthy is just what is being sold at the moment. There's, there's, yeah, the science actually shows that what, what we think of as healthy is not actually healthy. It's what's, what's most popular right now and what is best at advertising. And it's so interesting because so many of the Ayurvedic prescriptions are uh, free 
<laughs> totally. <laughs> it's exactly. like call a dear friend if you're exactly. out of balance, right? Like uh-huh. hands under running water if your pitta uh-huh. is on fire. Go for a walk uh-huh. in the woods. Sit in the woods. And sure. I love, and that's what, down. again, yeah. feels so good about it being like a, a tool because it's so everyone has access, quote unquote, everyone, maybe not everyone, but most, lots of people have access yeah. to yeah. some of the free prescriptions that are around more soul connection rather right. than saying the expensive pants or the right mat or, and that's right. part of what happened with yoga culture, I think, is that it got really caught up in the masculine capitalist society and we lost so much of the feminine roots of yoga and we stripped away teaching Ayurveda in a lot of these yoga trainings and now we've ended up where yoga looks like expensive pants and expensive studio and it's actually one of the reasons it was not a um it was not a necessarily intentional reason to close my studio, Mm -hmm. but underlying the last few years of it, I Mm -hmm. felt sadness that I may contribute in any way from pulling people's power with their own practice because I would walk into the grocery store and someone would look at me and go, I haven't gone to yoga. Totally. Yes. And I'm like, me neither. Don't, it's okay. Like your yoga can happen. It's happening now. It's okay. Right now, so the whole yeah. idea of a studio and a 90 minute class right. and a teacher, we took away yeah. so much of um, self power, embodiment, intuition, yeah. and, and trust because we put it in somebody else's hands. Yes. And that is very painful. Like, I look at that part and I recognize it. And, and that's how I feel about, um, you know, I went to IIN and I did health coaching school. And in many ways, you learn so much about all of the different ways that people eat and it's fascinating. Yeah. Sure. And in other ways, it did perpetuate um, health culture. Like I really, I really did participate and I apologize for anybody that I ever shared. You know, I just kind of always put that out there as like, we're doing the best yeah. we can with the information that we have. When you know more, you do better. Yes. And this sort of switch over to really intuitive eating and Ayurvedic and seasonal and just feeling good is a totally yeah. different way of living and being. And it's free, right? It's and free. that's yeah. that, and that's what I yeah. say that like right. everything that you've been told by somebody outside yeah. of your body is usually there. Somebody's going to make money on that. Yeah. Right? And so if you can listening to your body and because nobody's smarter than your body, right? Your body knows all of it. Nobody outside of you knows better than you and knows better than your body, but that's free. That that doesn't cost a lot. And nobody makes money off of you listening to your body. Do you find a lot of people want you to tell them what to eat? Oh, totally. And when I, not as much now as when I was a yoga teacher. Oh my God. I remember being in Whole Foods and people coming up to me and like hiding their wine in their cart. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what you think I'm going to do. I don't know who you think I'm going to tell. But yeah, there was this real authority that made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. We, I was at Chick-fil-A with my kids once and someone came up to me and they were eating chicken nuggets and I was like, I don't know, having a milkshake or something. And someone came up to me and was like, oh my God, I can't believe Pleasance is in Chick-fil-A. Like you make me feel so good. Like, ah, like she was like, I'm okay to be here. And I was like, yeah. yes, you're okay to be here. Are you, as long as you feel okay to be here, I don't know if you should be here. Like I'm not, the, you know, but right. that really hit me as like, whoa, there's these imposed, like 
these impressions of the way that we have to be or that certain people live. And I think that really shifting away from that culture, I actually eat, I always talk about like how much I eat potato chips now that I don't, yeah. now that I'm not actually like living as a health coach or trying to like be green juice all the time is like, I eat a lot of chips and I feel great. I'm the strongest I've ever been. I'm the healthiest right. I've ever been. And right. I didn't even realize how much I was shaming food and making it bad because it right. was so internalized. And I didn't even come from a family where that was the story. So yeah. Yeah. And I talk about all the time that, you know, um, the, the attitude with which you eat food is so much more important than the actual food. Yes. Yeah, right? Right. It's so much more important. Like unbelievable. The, the energy that we put and the, um, the values that we put around food and the value and the shame um, that we have around certain foods, that is so worse. That's worse. It's worse for you than any, than if you yeah. ate nachos every day, which I would eat nachos every day. Um, and <laughs> It's also uh, all the studies show that being in a big, living in a big body, the stigma of living in a big body is far worse for, for one's health mm. than the actual adipose tissue yeah. that they have on their body. That there's a uh, something called weathering that they found um, specifically in African American women that you know being being a member of a marginalized group is far worse than one for one's health mm. than whether you wear a size. What size you are? Yeah. Okay. Can we go into some deep, dark, I don't even know if it's deep and dark, but in like real conversation about fat phobia and sure. fat shaming and what does that actually look like in real life? Like what are the ways you see it? So studies show that the places fat phobia show up the most is in schools, in, uh, with the medical facility, which I'll talk about, which is so shocking and awful and um and in the workplace so in schools and in the workplace it shows up in the same way that any kind of um bias would show up meaning people in big bodies don't get paid as much people in big bodies don't get uh don't get hired um people in big bodies don't get let into schools um kids in big bodies get shamed by their teachers um there's a lot of uh implicit bias that we have against people mm -hmm. who who live in big bodies and it sneaks out in ways that maybe we're not even conscious of. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like our culture is doing much better about like blatant fat shaming in terms of like, it's not cool to make fat jokes anymore, I hope. Um, and so that's nice, but now it's kind of being underground. And again, like the, the fat, fat phobia is the same as homophobia, same as racism, same as yeah. misogyny. Um, it's, uh, it just come, it just lives there. And we all have to be aware of our own implicit bias, which is why I teach, um, I teach about this to other psychotherapists because yeah. if they have clients in big bodies, right, they have to know their own level of bias. Um, the place where it shows up the most is in the medical facility, which is, or the medical community, which is terrifying because um, those people are meant to, are claiming to um, be, helping people <laughs> and helping people be their healthiest. Um, and they're usually not. So people who live in big bodies don't get the same, um, don't get prescribed the same um, prevent preventive medicine. They don't get as much tests taken on their bodies. Um, they get, they really get fat shamed. So um, a, a person in a big body will go and the, the joke around the, in the body justice world is they can be bleeding out their eyeballs and the doctor will say, well, you probably need to lose some weight. Lose some weight. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, well that has nothing to do. 
my, one of my favorite um, fat positive bloggers says, oh, I have, um, I have obesity induced strep throat. I didn't know that that was, <laughs> I didn't realize that that was a thing. Um, mm -hmm. And so that it happens and it, and it happens um, to the extent that people in big bodies die of cancer because nobody does any tests on their, mm -hmm. on, on, and to see if they have cancer um, because the doctor just says, you know, you should, you should lose some weight. And it happens over and over and over and over. So this whole idea, I was at a retreat um, in January, teaching a retreat in January. And one thing that I noticed was that a lot of women in the group had a desire to just lose 10 pounds. Ugh. That once I lose the 10 pounds, then mm -hmm. I will blank blank. Sure. What is that? What is that? What's happening there? What, what yeah. do you see there? I think that there's an idea, you know, the, the myth that we're taught over and over and over and from a very young age is that if our body is the quote unquote right shape, we will be happy. We will have energy. We will be joyous. Everyone will want to have sex with us. We will be rich, right? Like all of these magical things will happen when our body is the right shape. And so we, what most people and women specifically, but more and more men too, because the capitalist machine has discovered that they can make off, make money off of making men feel like shit too. Excuse me. I didn't know if I'm allowed to swear, but. Oh, I'm you're sure. fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, and <laughs> uh, it is that we are fed that. And so women put off, again, I'm saying women, but everybody, they put off enjoying their lives until their body is the right shape. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, tragic it's awful it's unnecessary um i usually say like there's nothing less relevant than your weight there couldn't be anything again weight is the measurement of your body's gravitational pull to the earth how is that relevant to anything at all it's not it couldn't be less relevant so it's it's very sad and i like when we started when you said it hurts your heart because it it should yeah it hurts my heart too Specifically, like I wrote in that post, like women who are amazing and, amazing. and incredible amazing. and could take over the world um, and they're worried about the shape of their thighs. It's tragic. So this, um, I think I shared this story on that retreat, um, is that we were doing some genealogy work about where some of these stories came from and mm. uh, why we have some of these connections and where some of the language comes from. And one of the things that I noticed... Um, over the past few years is my grandmother is my person. Like she's mm -hmm. been my person my whole life, mm -hmm. not my whole life, but most of it. And she is, I mean, had six kids and went to Harvard and Penn and ran a bank and ran a school and ran the Girl Scouts and like took a lot Amazing. of kids and got them scholarships to college, right? All in the 50s, all when women weren't going to college and, right. you know, wow. she's amazing. And, um, She's, so anyway, so this is this woman who has this incredible life and mm -hmm. she has a scale, an old fashioned scale in her bathroom and it has all the dates and her weight on it. And, wow. um, when you have like regular conversations with her, she'll say like, I'm almost to that, you know, I've almost lost those five pounds and I've almost lost that two pounds and I'm almost down to that weight. And she has gone to the Duke center a few times, um, uh -huh to do the integrative weight loss and has spent, uh, she wanted to do some rabbinical studies um, 
she's not a rabbi, but she, she did some studies and then oh. sort of decided to go to Duke over her academic studies. Because oh. If she could just lose those last few pounds, then she could go to, to rabbi's rabbinical school. And it's so interesting because mm-hmm. I found last year a little letter her and her best friend wrote from the 20s. Actually, it was from the 30s because she was born in 29. And it said like, it was a little packed that they were going to be the same size as the model in Life Magazine, whatever. And they wrote to each mm-hmm. other. And so basically the point of this very long story is putting the pieces together that this is literally something this woman has been focused on her whole life. Um, and she is amazing. Like she's like the person who inspires me to show, to wake up. She saved my life in so many ways. Like she's done so much. And yet mm-hmm. this, this thread of weight is, I just notice it. It's not a judgment. Yeah. It's not a, it's, it's, it, it, it just shocked me when I kind of put all the pieces together lately. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. wow, this is really something that's been on her mind her whole life. Isn't that awful? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really tragic. That makes me so sad. It makes me sad and I can do better. I don't know if better is not the right word. I will change the story. Like the narrative, that's not going to come through me. My kiddo is not going to open a door and find a scale and find weights behind it and find this fear. She is going to see me in the community, working with women. Like, Like I can't keep that thread going. Yes. Of the weight piece. And so Mm -hmm. with honor and respect and love for her, it's time for me to sort of end that part of the story. I feel very empowered by that, you know? I I love that so much. I love that so much. And I hear that from other people. I hear that from students. I hear that from a lot of other women right now who are realizing um, that my, oh my God, my grandmother did this to herself. My mother did this to herself. I refuse to live this way. Right. I refuse to let this be what part of the story. Yeah. What I think about. And if you have kids, I refuse to care to have it carry on. Absolutely. Which I think is why, like my intuition said to reach out to you at the end of this eight weeks when I had seen all this stuff and Mm -hmm. I have started to reach out to some of my friends. So this was the other reason is that I have started to be more, uh, I've started to communicate very clearly to people who are dynamic and creative and beautiful and so smart and loving. When I see certain things, I'll reach out to them behind the scenes and say, I, you're so amazing. Like you don't have to say this or do this. And it's um, not always received with love. Yeah. I think it can be tricky. That's a totally, really, totally. It's a really tricky thing right now. And this is a question I get a lot from students and clients about like, how do I move out into the world yes, yes. Uh, with when I have so many specific, again, specifically women, but men too, who I love so much and they are still caught in the matrix, right? They're still caught in the belief that my, um, my worth is based on the shape of my body. Yeah. So what do we do? <laughs> yeah. So, How do we be advocates and allies and supporters without hurting people or shaming them right. or triggering them? So um, as a psychotherapist, I always say, you know, uh, use I statements. So what I usually say, and it's, it can be shocking, mm. but it's like, it's, this is my choice is like, if somebody's talking about calories, I say, I don't believe in calories because I don't. Um, if somebody's ta- if somebody's talking about somebody else's body, I say, oh, I don't talk about people's bodies. Um, if somebody is talking about her own body, you know, I remind her how wonderful and lovely she is and that the shape of her body couldn't be relevant, could mm-hmm. not be less relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk about for me, what my experience is, 
um, you know, if I'm feeling uh, punchy and somebody's talking about somebody's talking about diets while I'm enjoying a meal, I will steal their plate and I will eat their plate too. <laughs> if somebody is, um, you know, if somebody's talking about diets and not a place where there's food, um, I usually say this is boring because mm-hmm. it, it really, really is. I know. It's so boring. But do they get offended? Like, have you lost friends over this? I haven't. Um, I haven't. However, I'm not in the yoga world anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I. Um, so that's where you might have lost. Some. That's where I might have <laughs> lost some friends. It's true. Um, no. And I think everyone knows not to talk about this crap around me anymore. Um, well, that's right. You get to a certain place where you stop attracting those people. But right. I, I would say that some of our clients, some of the people on that retreat and some of the clients over the past few years have said like, yeah, I'm totally down with what you're saying, P, and like intuition, intuitive eating. She's like, but now everywhere I go, all I hear is other women talking about it. And yeah. so I have to leave or I don't know what to say. And I'm like, yeah, I think when you are changing and shifting yes. your own vibration towards things that there yes. are uncomfortable areas where you're experiencing growth. Right. And agree? that's absolutely. And yeah. it is hard. And because we are shifting, we are shifting out of the darkness and into the light. And that is changing your frequency around food and around bodies and around diets and around all of these things. And so, you know, it's one of these things where the more, the higher your consciousness around these things, it's yeah. going, it's going to be uncomfortable to be yeah. around people who um, are still in, 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 on a lower frequency um, when it yeah. comes to, to these things. Um, but so for me, showing uh, being an example of that I am, I am a woman who believes that, um, I eat whatever my body wants to eat and right. And that I will not, um, there's a little bit of like seething feminist rage behind, (laughs) behind my, like, I refuse to participate in this. Yeah. Right. And you can, but I refuse to participate in this. What do you think about something that says it's not a diet? Mm. <laughs> this is this is also the thing because now diets yeah. are shamed like now everyone knows like not to use the word, not the word. Diets are bad, yes. but there's all these super secret like the method for this and like well if sure. you do this so tell me what's going on there and how do we address that because I've actually had a bunch of people say well I'm not on a diet but yeah. I'm doing uh-huh. this or that. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's a diet. But I, maybe that's my <laughs> limited belief. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, anything that, anything that is uh, done to restrict food such that you are trying to make your body smaller is uh, uh, problematic in my, in my view. Um, and so part of the, you know, body positivity movement and body positivity, again, is, is, a, um, is a term that is overused and all sorts of things. Uh, so I don't love that term. But part of the movement is that everybody's allowed to do whatever they want with their bodies. So if you want to be trying to make your body smaller, you're allowed to do that. I will not participate in that with you. I will not enjoy that conversation with you. I won't do that. But everybody's allowed to do that. However, to do that means that you are participating in the oppression of big bodies because you are participating yes. in a narrative that says that people in smaller bodies are superior to people in bigger bodies. So again, you can diet or, or Weight Watchers or whatever the hell you want to call it these days. You can try to make your body smaller. You, I would hope that you would uh, acknowledge that that is problematic because it 
adds to the marginalization of people in big bodies. Does that make sense? Okay. So anything, so things that are revolve, that really revolve and focus on less is better is a form of fat shaming. It is because it's still participating in the idea that you will be better when your body is smaller. And so I think any of those things are problematic and you can call it health and you can call it all sorts of things. But I think anything that involves restriction and for the purpose of making your body smaller is problematic on a global, on a macro view in that you are participating in the marginalization of people in big bodies. It's also problematic because what we see over and over and over is that starvation Um, and you can call it a diet, you can call it whatever you want, but starvation causes eating disorders. Starvation causes obesity, even though I don't love that word. Starvation is the thing that actually causes all of the problems. So Mm. when you restrict nutrients from your body, it is trauma to your brain and to your body in the same way that when you restrict sleep, water, oxygen, this is all trauma to your body. If you restrict nutrients, you go crazy and, uh, and it can take years to, to undo the trauma of starvation. And again, you can call it whatever you want, but starvation is starvation is starvation. And if you are restricting nutrients um, to your body, it's trauma to the body and the body hates starvation. It really, really does everything in its power to not starve. Mm-hmm. And when you are doing that to your body, you are abusing your body. Mm-hmm. Even dairy? Even wheat, <laughs> even gluten. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's, it's so ingrained. Yeah. Like the ways that we've attacked certain foods. Totally. For whole populations of people. And I'm not yeah. talking about someone who has MS, who's oh, sure. experimenting, who of has course. a chronic health where the food is, there's clearly inflammation or there's clearly Absolutely. something happening and there's a reaction. But this entire idea, I mean, I, I had an acupuncturist say to me recently, um, we were talking about my son's health and she was like, well, you guys are gluten-free, aren't you? And I was like, no. And she's yeah. like, you're not? She's like, you guys really, all, everybody needs to be gluten-free. This is ridiculous. You know? And I was just like, well, what? what? Like, yeah. No, like this, it's so ingrained in health culture that this totally. is the way. Yes. And, and uh, I had to just take a few deep breaths and kind of give some love because we just weren't on the same page with it and yeah. look at health. Right. Um, so I think that that like sort of consciousness um, in relationship is, is it's so layered because there's so many levels and some people are totally. open and, and for her, this particular person, gluten-free may have been the path to health. And so for Which her, is great. let's do this everybody, you know? Right. And I think that's the thing that is hard for us to recognize is that for some people, so I am a vegetarian. I don't eat animals. Um, That is what works for me. There are humans on the planet that like my best friend, he tried to be vegetarian and he like passed out after like 24 hours because he like needs animal protein in his body. So the idea that we should all be doing this thing or we should all be doing that thing. We're all from, you know, our ancestors from all different parts all over the planet. The right. idea that we, we should all be eating the same thing is so weird. The same, so it's weird. the same thing that like all bodies should be the same shape. Right. It's so right. weird. Right. So again, listening to your body is free. Listening to how your yeah. body reacts to it. My body feels right. better when I don't eat animals. Yeah, right. Fantastic. Never in a million years would I assume everybody should be a vegetarian. Never. 
Do you have any, like part of, I've heard you say a few times, not in the yoga world and sort of moved away from that. Was there, are, is there any reasons that you feel like sharing that participated to any of this sort of psycho yeah. craziness that's been happening? <laughs> Sorry, in yoga. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, it was hard because I got into the yoga world right when I got into recovery from, uh, from my eating disorders. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of overlap in that, in the sense that um, it felt, so to participate in one of my clients calls it food tribes, um, you know, like we don't eat this or we don't eat that, yeah. all the food tribes. Um, to participate in some of that felt safe because I was still in a restrictive mode. I was still recovering. It takes a really long time to recover from an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it felt safe. The activity part of it, right, that we are superior human beings because we're moving our bodies. Mm. Um, all of that, I think it felt like a safe place for me um, at a time in my life when I wasn't as conscious of these things as I am now. Mm-hmm. The more conscious I got about, um, about the ways in which there's an intersection of the way America does yoga and health tribes and um, uh, health-ism, um, it just didn't feel comfortable for me yeah. anymore to yeah. be participating in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So to start to wrap up, what I want to ask you is, so great. Someone in the community just listened to this. They're like, okay, cool. I'm down with what they're saying. I understand that. I'm going to do my own sort of like journaling or deep dive into some of my issues of like that I've challenges that I've had or ways that I've been shaming certain foods or deprivation. Mm -hmm. What else, what can they do? What should they, what can they be looking for? What are some things they can do today to start to move towards acceptance and embracing and not be participating in fat phobias or fat shaming. Yeah. So there's so many rad, mostly women right now who are like on, on this path and you can join them. Um, there, you know, you can follow, if you're on Instagram, you can follow, um, people who, uh, hashtag fat positive, hashtag body positive, Mm -hmm. body positive again is a little bit, um, one of my favorite authors says that uh, body positivity is a little bit like all lives matter and fat mm. positive is a little bit like black lives matter. Got it. So it's kind of a watered down version, but there's still some, a lot of people in the world, in the body positive world who are doing really good things. It's just that like corporations have gotten a hold of it now. So it's a little yeah. bit watered down. Um, but yeah, start filling your feed full of people who actually mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. Uh, loving their bodies and treating their bodies well and not ever participating in mm-hmm in diet culture and thin idealism. Mm-hmm. Um, books that I would suggest are Health at Every Size by Linda yeah. Bacon is beautiful, wonderful. Um, you know, Intuitive Eating is a beautiful book. Yeah. There's so many cool workbooks and stuff. Yeah. Um, I particularly, like I said, this um, coincides for me with my seizing feminist rage. So I tend to go more for the radical. <laughs> the body is not an apology. Exactly. My body is not an apology. Oh. Love, love her. Love oh. her. That book is uh, on my counter. You know, the cover is like yes. naked and voluptuous and beautiful. Amazing. And my daughter was like, whoa, mom, what's that? And my husband walked by. He's like, whoa. And he turned it over and I turned it back over. And Good. I was like, no, sir, not in this house. And <laughs> no. I held it up. Yes. And he was like, whoa. And I was like, oh, see, this is why we have this in the house, dude. Yes. You know? Yes. Oh. Because, because we've been, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. 
we see part of the reason why we have the things of uh, the issues with fat bodies or big bodies is because we don't see them um right we we see the images we see on screens and in magazines and even on the internet to a certain extent represent two percent of the actual population of the planet the bodies that we see represent two percent of the actual bodies that exist so that's part of it so people uh, people who are putting their fat bodies out there, their big bodies out there is great because it actually changes your brain. And that's, you yeah, know, yeah. representation yeah. matters. is not just a cool hashtag. Yeah. It's true. It's real that yeah. it changes yeah. your brain to be, to see that like, Oh, all these bodies exist and all bodies deserve respect. Yeah. Um, Jessamine Stanley, who's yeah. so rad, you can follow her and she has a real, her yoga book is yoga for everybody is really, really fantastic. Um, Lindy West, who's so rad, um, if you love her, uh, she, you can follow her on Instagram, you can read her book, Shrill, which is incredible. Um, you know, there's just a lot of women who are, who are yeah. doing it. And if you, the thing about this is, and what I've found with, with clients and students is um, that they can, be, they can be on the dark side and then they just like, you know, open the door just a little bit to this side. Yeah. And then it feels like the mother goddess, like, kicks it open and then there's all these amazing people that you can learn from who've been yeah. some people who've been doing this work you know the um the fat acceptance movement has been around since the 60s since the civil rights movement it's just been really really underground yeah and even so. people even i think with roxanne gay and hunger mm -hmm. um, yes i think again we're at this amazing moment in time yes where things are just being uprooted and exposed and people yes. who've been writing and thinking and doing work, like finally there's some air, there's some, there's some, if you're open to it. And like you yeah. said, if you sort of, what I found also is that unfollowing and unsubscribing from people mm -hmm. who think like me and look like me has just made all of this space to bring in new ideas and new yes. bodies and new shapes and new sizes and new women and yes. new connections. And it's so joyful to it be is. exposed. My brain is on fire because it's getting all these new hits yeah the neural networks are like oh new new you know like let's yeah. <laughs> do this or let's deep dive here yeah one is leading me to another is leading me to another and that feels so connected so the point of that is that it's it's just creating this sense of like growth and expansion and joy and i what i've noticed is i don't ain't nobody got time to be talking about diets when you're feeling so good and living your life and that <laughs> It's, I, um, that is so true. I had a client the other day. He's so cute and he, I love him so much. And he came in and he said, like, I just had to tell you that I was speaking to, he's in recovery from a lot of things. And he said that he was speaking to another young man who's in recovery and that this, this other young man's therapist was like, well, we got to get you to this weight and you got to right. And my clients are crying. And he was like, I am so grateful that you, that this is not the approach you ever took. Yeah. Um, and we talked about like, it's actually so much easier to just eat nachos when you want nachos. It's yeah. actually so much easier. No and the mind games. The amount of space that opens up and your body doesn't change because, you know, it's, your body's fine and your body knows what to do. And bodies for centuries have been doing with nutrients what they need to do with nutrients to keep your body alive. Your body is fine. Your body knows what's up. You can't outsmart your body. 
And that whole fear, you know, one of the things I think that comes up a lot is fear of like, well, if I let myself eat nachos today, then I'll eat them every day, all day. And it's just not true. Your body's no. so smart and it's totally. so in tune. It, it just, it knows what it needs and it, and it, and it's fun to play with it and work with it. But this is a way that you practice deep self-trust. Totally. Right? I trust myself that when I eat and enjoy something that I don't actually want it every day, all day. It just no. doesn't work that way. But there's a fear that that's what's going to happen if we unleash the gate. Yeah. And also what happens when women do ask for what they desire, do yes. what they desire, and then fill themselves up with pleasure and connection. Like this, this blows the top off of that because we're so right. being like, I'm so, I'm not in touch with what I desire and pleasure. Right. right. <gasps> And that if I really allow myself to have it, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take over the world, which I hope you do. I hope you, I hope you eat nachos and eat chocolate cake every day and take over the world. That's what I want you to do. And, stop, and stop thinking about how, how your body could be a better shape for people to look at because it's not relevant and it's not necessary. Yeah. And I love how you keep saying that for other people to look at because I can't see my body. Right. It's not, it's not like, even for you. Right? It's, it's for the pleasure of other. It's like when uh, somebody asks you to smile, right? They're asking you to smile so that their experience of looking at you is more pleasurable for them. No, no, it's not for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Paula, this was so fun. Thank you, thank you, so thank fun. you. Where can people find you? I know you have a podcast. I do have a podcast. So share all your stuff so people can follow. Yeah. So if you liked this, you will love my podcast, which is called We Are Still Hungry. And um, it's not just about fat phobia and diet culture. It's also about um, racism and social justice and feminism and some celebrity gossip and um, makeup sometimes. Um, Great. And uh, I am at PaulaDiatkinson.com. I'm Paula D. Atkinson on all the things. So that's uh, Instagram and Twitter and um, all of the things. And if you... Uh, if you are interested, I do teach a workshop that is mm. like a pared down version of my, my semester class that I teach at the university. Um, so you can find that on, on my website. And I just pulled up your website cause I'll put the link in the show notes, but Great. you also, do you still do, do you do the artist way? I just, I do. <gasps> do you lead groups? Yeah. I've been doing it for like 17 years. It's yeah. crazy. We did our, the Lola, we, over the summer, I sort of take a break from like regular online classes and we did just a deep dive into artist way over the summer mm -hmm. and uh i've always done it alone i've never actually been able to do it in a group or facilitate a group and it was so fun and it was so awesome to continue to go back through and the amazing shifts in people's right? lives holy amazing holy. yeah she, to julia cameron she's Julia like, cameron forever oh totally forever. She's and the OG of creativity yeah. and writing and wellness. And oh my God. She's, and she, I mean, amazing. And listening to yourself and being in touch with yourself. Yeah. yeah. She's incredible. Uh, and to do it in a group is so powerful. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you got to yeah. do that. It's so, so cool. I love Artist Way people. Yay. Yay. Okay. I will link it all. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really thank appreciate you. your time. More importantly than that, I appreciate the work that you're doing in the world. I know what it's like to show up every day mm. and uh, be bold and be brave and be yourself mm. and keep doing the work so that you can be there for your clients. And so I really appreciate what you're doing and I really hear you. And I really feel like it's such an important time for everything that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, pardon, thank up. you. That's very sweet. I appreciate that. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yes. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.